When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. Right, welcome into another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast. It's your boy Pat Lane, as always, here with my guy Matt St. Jean. And this episode, just like all of our episodes, are brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports wagering partner of CLNS Media. Go to fanduel.com slash Boston to sign up to get in on the action today. Matt, it's uh it's been a long week here in New England. It's been a long week. Um of course, thank uh, Halloween was Halloween was nice last night. At least we had that going for us. Do you have a nice Halloween? Hey, do you have a lot of trick-or-treaters last night? Uh, not really. Um, I don't know the, the area where I live in here in Queens there. It's like all like the multi-family yep. apartment things. So people trick or treat and there were people in my building giving out candy downstairs, but it was subdued. Most of the candy eating was me going to the fridge with the, the large bag of chocolates I have in there. <laughs> smart, smart, smart of you. Refrigerated Twix, refrigerated Reese's, that's that's the way to go. That's the way to go. That is the way to go. Um, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I always have. So I have a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 7-year-old. And my 12-year-old and 10-year-old both went off with their friend groups. Um, and so left just me and my 7-year-old. And then one of his buddies and his dad went out with us, which was fun. Um, but it was weird not being with all of them, like having them go off on their own. Um, my daughter... Uh, my oldest did a thing with one of her friends where she was mustard and her friend was ketchup. It was cute. Oh, so, um, but it was great. We had a, we had a fun time. It was, it was good. They got a ridiculous amount. My middle, my 10 year old got like over 300 pieces of candy. So it's like outrageous how much candy they got. So they were, uh, they were loving it. They had a great time, which was, uh, which was fun. It, it's always yeah. fun. Um, Thanksgiving is a good holiday. It sucks. It was on a Tuesday, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I, I'm, I've never been one for costumes anyway. I'm not, I'm not good at it. When I was a kid, yeah. I went as Tom Brady, I think five or six times as a kid. <laughs> and I think the, the only other costume I remember was I went as uh, Jack Sparrow one year when I was in middle school. And that's good. That's a good one. So those yeah. are the only ones I remember. I'm never, I was never big on it either, man. I remember. So one year, um, one year we went out and we did uh, what's it called. My buddy wanted to do blue man group. So we bought like this, latex like this blue latex we're gonna like paint on ourselves but he's like oh yeah we gotta shave first so he shaved like an idiot and then put the latex on his face and it was like burning because he had like you know little tiny nicks that you couldn't even see but the latex was like going it was horrifying so we actually went in he we went in and stole some uh stole borrowed some shoulder pads from uh from the football team uh, at, at the local high school and then put like jerseys on or whatever and walked out with jerseys. It was fun. It was, it was silly, but it was fun. Um, we went as like me and my buddy went to the thrift store one year and went as like seventies porn stars. 
that was fun. I, we had like, I bought a, I bought a wig and everything. We had the, I had like a purple vest over like a white shirt. That was, that was a good one. That's probably my favorite outfit. Um, but, but yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I like that. When I, when I was in college, our whole house did, uh, my senior year, our whole house did pirates. So there were 11 of us all in the same pirate costume and, and we wanted to do we wanted to do pictures around campus in it, so we were driving around in vans, all stuffed in with Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean theme blasting. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's the, the last time I did something for Halloween. Really, that's, yeah. that's not my. I'm re- you know, I'm ready for Thanksgiving. Give me family football yeah, and yeah. food. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm down with that. Um, yeah, the kids. It's funny because like my buddy did um, the Three Little Pigs. And the big bad wolf, and so his oldest kid is was the wolf, and then his younger son and him and his wife were both were, were like the pigs, and it was cute. And I, but I'm like, we haven't, we don't really do stuff like that, like me and my family and stuff. My wife doesn't like to dress up and whatever, so it's like, which is fine. Um, and we also like, I feel like it sneaks up on us every year. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. we're like, oh my god, it's like we're like three days before Halloween, and we're like, what are we gonna be? So, um, yeah, I haven't probably done, I haven't done much since since that time. But you know, this, what are you gonna do? So yeah. Uh, these days, the scariest thing is looking at this Patriots roster. So that's that's all the fright I need this time of year. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You're right about that. So it is interesting that that the uh, the trade deadline did occur on Halloween, um, and the Patriots did not make a move. Stayed pat, stayed home, as it were. Right, shut the lights off and stayed home. And you know, I, I think it, it's good and bad, right? The Josh Uche report came out that, you know, Jacksonville, I think, was interested in Josh Uche. Was Jacksonville, right? That was interested in yeah. Josh Uche. But they got held up on a fifth or a fourth. And I'm like, a fifth or a fourth? So, like, what? So, two things. Number one, that tells me that nobody was really interested in Josh Uche, number one. And number two, that tells me that the Patriots were willing to move him for a fourth-round pick, um, which is surprising, which – to me, says that they're not going to re-sign him because why would you trade a guy like that for a fourth-round pick? Um, right. I, you know, it tells and, me and that Jackson, but why wouldn't you give up a fourth-round pick for a guy like that? It doesn't make any sense to me. And it tells it honestly looking at that and the way the Chase Young thing unfolded, it seems like we got a lot of edge guys who are not interested in signing a deal at all right now right. and would like to hit the market, and because teams are not going to be, you know. Part of the appeal of trading for Josh Uche right now is that you get the chance to re-sign him before anybody else does. You can keep a young player locked up, star yep. pass rusher if you'd like. And it sounds like he's probably not that interested in signing a deal. And that goes for, um, what's his face? Chase Young. Look at the price oh. Chase Young got for San Francisco. Yeah, he's not. He's hitting, he's hitting free agency or he's getting a full market value deal from San Fran. Yeah. And Montez Sweat, too. I mean, Chicago gave up a lot for Montez Sweat with that high second-round pick. And it still doesn't look like they're signing him. I assumed they would, but then you hear about how the deal went down, where it sounds like they swooped in to outbid Atlanta at the last second. He was about to – he had a deal ready to sign with Atlanta. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's a lot of it. The edge market is going to be awful this year. It's going to be like the guys we're talking about are the best guys available, and I think they know it, and they know they can get paid. I just simply don't – I don't understand. If you're – if you're the Bears and you suck, and the Bears unequivocally, they suck. They're not a good team. It's the second year in a row that you've done this. 
And I know that at a, at a certain point you have to say we got to build around guys. I get that. But like the guy you're going to build around last year, the guy you were going to build around was freaking Chase Claypool. They gave up the number 32 overall pick for Chase Claypool. It's insanity. My favorite trade in recent. Even if you thought Claypool could like give you something, 32 for that guy is is highway robbery. Yeah. And then you know, look, I like Montez Sweat, but if he wasn't going to sign a deal, if you weren't negotiating with him and saying we're going to get him to sign a deal before the offseason, then don't trade for him. Because if he doesn't sign, now you've traded pick number 34 probably at best for nothing. Yeah, and it's that's tough. And like I, I get it for Chicago because you, you're going to have two picks in the top 10, probably top five of the draft. And you know this isn't a great pass rusher class coming out. They really need pass rushers in Chicago. So I get the idea of making a move for one. Right. Uh, but now you have to sign him. You cannot let him go. Hundred percent. Yeah. And I look at it come bring it back to New England too with Uche. You look at the price involved. What this tells me is that they would like Uche back, but they're not breaking the bank for him. Um, they got Junon under contract next year. They have Keon White. Anthony Jennings is also a free agent, but a guy they can bring back. And you know, it's they can trade for somebody if they like or you know i mean if we hit if chase young is hitting free agency you know maybe the patriots are in on him depending on what that price is they got a lot of money and he's better than uche is and he'd be a nice addition to the line so i think you got some options here but when you do like i i don't hate the way the patriots approach this deadline but now you're at a spot where all right you either got to be signing these guys or moving on from them because you think you found a better player in free agency you know you're not you're not signing mike on because a franchise tackle hits the market and you think you can get him you're not signing josh uj because you're going after a chase young you're not you're not bringing back um kyle duggar because you decide you want to go sign a star free safety which i actually we're, we'll circle back around and talk about the miami game here at some point but uh yeah. we had mentioned the safety usage in that game and i think there were some interesting things in there as it relates to kyle duggar um and it, it's, I had agreed with you about something after the game on Sunday about Marty Mapu's usage in the game. We kind of uh-huh. talked about the way they were using him and why was he a free safety. And when you watch the game back, I, it actually made a ton of sense and I really liked it. The issue that they have right now is that they basically just have a million strong safeties, which is really good and bad because you have issues taking away the center of the field. Right. They put Marty Mapu back there as a free safety so they could bring Kyle Duggar and Jabril Peppers down into lower areas of the field to be tacklers and to, to attack uh, what Tua was doing, which I liked. And I didn't think Mapu looked out of place in that role either. I don't know if he's going to be a star free safety, but you know, he's a good tackler and it seems like they asked him to slim down. He looks thinner than he was when he was in college. So I do wonder if the long-term plan there is for Mapu to be a true free safety and then Duggar can play more in the box and Peppers can play more in the box. And, you know, you still, you still may, he's still good enough that you can still, you know, rotate the dial or whatever and bring him down when right. you want to. I just don't, you. It just doesn't make sense to me. He just doesn't have that top end speed. I don't think at least well, I, I didn't see it. You know what I mean? It just, that seems strange to me. They would do that. 
And that's why I wonder, that's why I mentioned the dropped weight, because it really only makes sense if they asked him to drop weight. And now he kind of has some of that juice, more juice than people thought he had in college. Maybe he, he dropped yeah, loses maybe. a little bit of weight or asked yeah. him to play in the box less than he has. I don't know. Uh, and he, they wasn't, he wasn't really put in a position to do that on right. Sunday. But I think that's something to monitor going forward is they already feel comfortable playing him back there against the Dolphins in a game yeah. like this. And if they want him back there. I wonder what role they see Duggar in for the future. Right. That's a good point. It's a good point. So we'll see. We'll kind of see where that goes. I just thought, you know, yeah, the decision not to, you know, not to, not to trade anyone, I think was just interesting. Right. And obviously they didn't trade for anyone clearly, but they didn't trade anyone away, which I thought was kind of interesting. Apparently there were no calls about Duggar. There were no calls about, about Mac Jones. Right. They didn't, they didn't really want to move anyone. They did supposedly inquire about Chase Young. I doubt they were going to give up much for Chase Young, but they did inquire about him, which why not? Like do your due diligence and just kind of see what he's going to go for because he's a guy that's been hurt a ton. And and frankly, isn't very disciplined. I think that's one of the, you know, you talk to people in Washington, talking to my butt. I was with my buddy who's who's a Washington fan last night on Halloween, and he said, like, he's just super undisciplined. Like he's just not, he's not a guy that is going to be in the right lane. He's not going to be so like, yeah, he's a freak and he like makes crazy plays, but then he's also super out of position at times because he's just doing his own thing and trying to beat his guy. And so like, you know, I don't know how well that would have flown here in New England, but um, but it's always good to have he's had injury players. issues too, I think, right? Big time. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's I don't know, it's I he's too good of a talent to it not at least ask what the price is <laughs> if he's on the market. Exactly. Exactly. No, and that and that's why you call just to see, and then third round pick doing that. No, no thanks. Um, well, and especially if it's, I mean, because it is a late third round. It's a conditional third round pick that was given up for him, which yeah. is relatively cheap. But it's also that tells you he's not like if you're going to trade for him, it's either a one year rental, which the Pats are out on, or you're trying to sign him. And that tells me again, like we said before, he's not he's not resigning. So you know, he's but just a not conditional. Working. So what I here's what I don't understand. Did they get a conditional third round pick? Uh, who, it's tra- from, who traded for him? Uh, San Fran. Because the San conditional Fran. picks are a year ahead, so it's from like last year's free agency stuff. Like right, the, but they know they're getting a conditional third. Um, or, yeah, uh, or, or no, it's a, I believe compensatory pick. It's the um, sorry, did I, did I say conditional? I meant compensatory. Right, but, it's but they the, haven't announced the compensatory stuff. I yet. believe it's the compensatory pick from one of the coaches. Right, that that's what it was. Is. No, no, you're right. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Right, because um, D'Amico Ryan's is higher, so you get a, a, comp- a compensatory third. Right. Yeah. That's, that's correct. That's okay. From. That makes sense because I was like, wait a second, they haven't gotten because I had read that too, and then I couldn't I couldn't remember how they had a compensatory already, and that's exactly what it was from. Um, yes. So, anyways, look, I think ultimately. It's one of those situations where um, – so Light Hatch asked a good question about this, right? He says, you know, is it rebuilt, reload, replace? Like what's the identity of the team? What are the goals? You know, what's happening? And look, I understand that, right? But the trade deadline was doing nothing for that, right? It was doing nothing for that. Sure, you want to trade Josh Uche for nothing? Go ahead, trade a Josh Uche for a bag of donuts. Like, what What good does that do you? Like, it doesn't do you any good. Maybe you like Josh Uche a lot and you're going to sign him. Maybe you don't like him a ton, but you know he's going to go to the open market. And maybe he doesn't get crazy offers from people and you're able to keep him. I think it's worth the risk 
in, in exchange for a fifth round pick, like a fifth round pick does you nothing. It means nothing. And so like, you know, to me, keep him around, see if he can resign him, see if he goes on, on the open market and doesn't get exactly what he was hoping for. And you say, Hey, look, here we are. We might be a million dollars lower than these guys are, but it's home. You don't have to leave anywhere. You know, the system, so on and so forth. Right. So, I think it's worth it to keep him around. I think Duggar stays. I think Duggar's not going anywhere. Um, and at this point, I'd be surprised if on when it goes somewhere. I mean, look, you're in this situation with the offensive line partly because you let guys walk, right? You traded Shaq Mason. You let Joe Tooney walk. You let Ted Karras walk. You tra- you traded or you let uh, Trent Brown walk, right? So, like, all of these things happened. And, of course, then you traded back for Trent Brown. But, like, but all of these things happened, and you know you just let those guys go away. Well, at some point you got to start keeping your good players, right? And so everyone kind of turned around and said, "Oh, well, we want to trade this guy, and we want to tank, and we want to do this, and we want to do that." And it's like, well, yeah, but at the same time, like you have to have pieces. You know, you someone, somebody at some point, right? It was someone on Twitter was like, "Just trade everyone and just start over." I'm like, "Well, there's 53 guys on the roster." Like, you well, can't, like if that's even if that's what you want to do, you know, we're lo- then you're looking at a five, six, seven year right. rebuild. Probably that's how long that's going to take. It's a tough position to be in, uh, and I think I think what the question Light Engine asks there is a very fair one, and I don't know if we really, I, I don't think anybody really does know exactly where they are, including the people in the building, and that's okay at this point. Right. I think the question. That that's the question you're trying to answer over the next nine games that they have left in this season. It's do we have enough pieces already in this building mm-hmm. that we can reload and try to attack next year? Is or is it the type of thing where we think we're two years away, or is this a full teardown rebuild? Yeah, this trade deadline tells me they don't think they're at a true teardown rebuild. That can change <laughs> over the next two months right. here, yep. um, and a lot of that. Is going to be, you know, above craft, sorry, above bill. If that's something crafts with Jonathan and, and Rob or crafts there, that's what they want to do. Then that's what's going to happen here, depending on what happens on the field. Um, but I think that's kind of, that's the lens we've got to watch the next two, three months. Um, yeah. Through. Well, and, and yes, who, who wants to, uh, who wants to, I'm assuming that means who wants to resign yeah. in this mess. Cause I, there might be plenty that want to resign right now. Um, Resign. I mean, on this is that's kind of what you're trying to figure out. If if they like on winning with tackle, that's a guy who you're gonna want to bring back because you need the right. offensive line. Same goes for Trent Brown at left tackle. I think if you're in a position where you don't want to bring either one of those guys back, you're far away from being a contender because getting getting one tackle is hard. Getting two tackles that takes time. That's mm-hmm. not an easy proposition to get two tackles on your team. Um, you know, and also. Yeah, there's Duggar. Obviously, there's the big names. They got like Hunter Henry. I mean, he's the type of guy where if you feel like you're within a year or two from being able to to make a playoff push here, he's a guy you probably want back in the building. Kendrick Bourne, depending on what happens there. Some of those veterans, and it's it's the same on defense too. Trying to evaluate how good those players are, how close you are to contending, and then who fits your timeline. Because the right. flip side here is if you don't think you're close, I mean, not only are you not re-signing guys, you're going to be trading away some of the guys on your roster. Correct. And the other part of it is this, right? This isn't the NBA. Like, it's not – this isn't the NBA where guys go and chase rings and try to create a super team. Like, that's not how it works in the NFL. You know, there's so much parity in the NFL that if you're chasing rings, 
you know, it's it's going to be a mess for you. And I know, yeah, sure, you can sign with Kansas City. You can go, you know, sign with Buffalo. It doesn't happen very often. The majority of the of the free agents sign with whoever pays them the most amount of money, mm-hmm. whoever puts them in the best situation for themselves. Yeah. They don't really care about the team performance. And so, yes, there's they a lot of – They're on the team. But well, yeah. of course, right? But, like, once once – you know, there's a lot of moving pieces, and I get it. But like, to say that now, listen, if Belichick leaves, and you know, you get a first-time head coach in here, and whatever, maybe they don't believe in that. Like, then there's a possibility. But there's still a lot of guys in the league that are like, I would play for the Patriots. I would play for Bill Go Belichick. Out. Like, I, w- yeah. you know what I mean? Like, there's still a lot of people like that, right? And yes, players follow Brady to Tampa. That's true. But like, players like Rob Gronkowski, who has publicly said. Many times that he'll only play football for Tom Brady, and that's it. Well, you and know? it's also there's like if you are at the very, very, very top, and you're an obvious Super Bowl contender in a tight window, right? Those are teams where you're going to get some advantageous free agent signings. Other than that, though, it's basically the same when it comes to signing guys. It's going to be 100%. who gives me the best role and who gives me the most money. Well, I mean, they and not just that. We but... saw, we're two years removed here, not even from the spending spree, or is it two? We're over two years removed from that. Yeah. And the spending spree they went on in free agency. And yeah, it's because you go to free agency and you spend on the best players out there. That was kind of their strategy. And right. It takes money to get guys in, but that's well, not like that's not just New England that's doing that. That's, you know, correct. 28 teams that yep. have to be the highest bidder to get a guy. Well, or that's the thing. Number two well, or number three. Yeah. Remember now, if you're one of the top teams, you don't have a ton of free of cap space. You don't. So, if I'm signing with Kansas City to try to, try to win a ring, I'm taking a discount to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm taking less money to go somewhere and try to win. And in the NBA, that's fine because all the guarantees are there. In the NFL, you can't do that in the NFL. Guys don't just don't do that in the NFL. Now, Tom Brady took a little bit of a pay cut because he's Tom Brady. He was able to still make a lot of money. And get paid less on the salary cap. Like, it's a little bit different. Yes, he wasn't Peyton Manning getting paid an astronomical amount. It didn't matter for him because he said, well, I don't have to take all that money because they can put it elsewhere, you know, towards the defense and towards this and towards that, right? And so, of course, everyone will tell you that that backfired on him and, and didn't work. He won six Super Bowls with it. But, I mean, you know, I'm sure it backfired on him. But, but you know, it's it's just it's one of those things where, like, he didn't have to take all that money. But if you're a guy that's – a top, you know, whatever, top 10 player, your position, you can't afford to not take the best money. Right. So like, so that's, that's the hard thing, right. Is that, um, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you can sign those guys. I I don't know. It's just in free agency. It doesn't matter. Like the, the, the team performance in free agency simply doesn't matter for 90% of the guys. Yeah. And it's the guys who are usually um, taking discounts are older players, guys late right. in the career looking for a ring because they already made their money. And those aren't the guys the Patriots are really interested in at this point anyway. Like that's Leonard they had Fournette. Pay, like they had to pay market value for Darrell Revis back in the day. Like they had to set the market for Darrell Revis back in the day to get that done. At, right. You know, the peak of their Super Bowl window. That's how it goes. Um so I'm not I'm not worried about them getting players here. Maybe if there's a new coach, but also if there's a new coach, you know, 
a chance for fresh impression and a new start for guys. And that's appealing too. So yeah. I don't, yeah. it's, I'm depends not, if they buy into what the new coach is selling, right? That's the biggest thing. And, and so, How do you some feel will and some won't. And you hope right. enough will that you're good. And yeah. I mean, the other thing with this is when you hit free agency, you're always looking for value there. One of the best contracts the Pats had in 2021 was Kendrick Bourne, a guy who they got because he was like wide receiver four in San Francisco and he was able to get a bigger role in New England. And if your yep. team is not that good, you can promise or give opportunities for starting roles for guys who might not get that opportunity elsewhere. And if those guys end up being good bets, that's how you can win in free agency. You know, go back to like Mike Vrabel back in the day, the way they got him, like some of those yeah. value guys get an opportunity and they break out and become more than anybody thought they'd be. That's how you win in that area. Yeah, true. Very true. Um, Gary's talking about the draft and, and, I think the biggest indictment of the Patriots and, and one of the reasons why they don't have a ton of talent on this team and Zach Cox, I believe was, was the guy that tweeted this out um, today, but the Patriots have not signed a first day, a, a day one or day two draft pick to a second contract since Deron Harmon. Yeah. Who was drafted in the Closer. third round of Did not realize he'd be closing our opportunities on draft. I know. I, and I love Jerron Harmon, but, like, you know, it, it's crazy to think about that. Now, it's a little bit different, right? You drafted Jimmy Garoppolo. The only reason he you didn't sign him to a second contract is because you had Tom Brady, so you had to trade him. Like, that would have been a guy. But that's still 2014. That was the next year. So yeah. it's not as though you hit on a guy. And, again, that doesn't include some hits in there, right? That doesn't include – Jack James Mason. White isn't in that list. A guy right. who played his whole career in New England. Right, right. And so that's so it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it doesn't tell the whole story, but when you're missing that consistently for 10 years now, it's not good. It's not no, good. It and that's and that's exactly the reason that they're in the situation that they're in. Um and there's a lot of reasons for it. And we can talk about, you know, we can make excuses for them and we can kind of and I think there's some some really reasonable things to say that they were taking big swings. They were trying to fill in depth and then they were also drafting for need. Look, I said this before, but like if Bill Belichick, if I gave Bill Belichick a true term and he said, look, I thought Nick Chubb was better than Sony Michelle long-term, but I needed a running back in 2018. Sony Michelle was the guy I knew if I had a running back, I win the Super Bowl, and they won the Super Bowl with Sony Michelle. Well, now, he wasn't good the rest of his career because because of injuries. But, like, I don't care. If Belichick drafted him to win a Super Bowl and they won a Super Bowl, then, like, mission accomplished. Well, sure, it wasn't a great pick, but, like, it is what it is, you know? Well, and the other thing, Michelle was the guy with less wear than right. Chubb coming out of that Georgia backfield yeah. and the guy who had upside as a three-down back in a way Chubb really doesn't in the passing game. And you can't, you can't foresee that he's going to get really bad knee issues two years in and Completely yeah. lose his acceleration. Um, you go to a guy like Isaiah Wynn, who was really good when he played and got really bad injury issues. And yeah. now isn't even a tackle anymore in the NFL. Can't really see that coming. Dominic Easley, a guy who was you know, a borderline top five talent, who just didn't work out. There were injuries and I think off, well, I think what, effort concerns from what I heard about him. Um, if I'm remembering that correctly. And, you know, you're picking at the end of the first round with a guy who you think is that talented. There's a risk there, but you take mm -hmm. it because it's the end of the first round. And if you hit on it, then you got like an Aaron Donald type guy there. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's not how it goes. I think I think a lot of what has happened in that stretch has been bad luck in the first round and then just constant missing on defensive backs in the second and defensive linemen or front seven guys in the third. Right. Well, and that's and that's really what it comes down to. I mean, easily one is one of the most egregious ones where like you knew he had bad knees. You knew it. Like you drafted him knowing he had bad knees, knowing he was a, a you know a, a guy that wasn't super coachable. But when he was on the field and when he was focused, he was a beast. It was a recipe for disaster, and it was a disaster. And it was just like, what are we doing? You know. But they were trying to catch that lightning in a bottle. They were trying to get get a guy that was a great interior pass rusher that they haven't had. Really, ever. I mean, Wilfork is a, is a phenomenal player inside, but he wasn't really a pass rusher. I would say they haven't had a real legitimate interior pass rusher since Richard Seymour. You know what I mean? Like, it's just they don't have a guy like that. And so you draft a guy like Christian Barmore, he's pretty close to that, right? And so, like, you know, but then you also pick up a guy like Daniel Equale, who's pretty good at it. Now, Equale doesn't doesn't necessarily do it as often and consistently as Christian Barmore he's does. He's injured reserve now. And he's also on IR now, but like, you know, but that's kind of the idea. So it's it's one of those it's one of those different things. Um, and so you know, and look, Ed, I I understand that winning has some influence. I get it. The Devontae Adams situation does not. It, it has nothing to do with winning. That that nothing is to do with winning. I have no idea. Uh, did Josh McDaniels just n- like not learn a single thing from his first go around? Because. The first time what he did was go to the AFC West, immediately alienate the quarterback that was liked by the fans, yep. traded him away for a different guy who wasn't as good. The team fell apart, and that was it, and they got their star receiver at Madden in the process. Here, you add a star receiver in year one who comes to your team because he wants to play with that that quarterback specifically. That is why right. he came to your team. Yep. And you immediately do the same thing and alienate the quarterback, trade him away, bring in a different guy, and... It just, it's just made no sense. It's and it's the exact. It's literally, you know, it's the same exact thing that happened in Denver. So I don't know what Josh McDaniels is doing there. He's a. I think, I think he gets a little bit underrated as a play caller now because of how things have gone with him as a head coach and the frustrations we had at points in New England. Really good play designer, pretty good play caller. The management skills. It's just. It's bad. Real if bad. You got, if you got Devonta Adams on your team and you can't figure out a way to make him work. That's, I mean, that's coaching. Right. I mean, and again, like you said, he played with Derek Carr in college. That was the whole selling point. He played with Derek Carr in college. He's excited. He's coming. He had a great year last year. Derek Carr was fine, but nothing special. But like, you bring in Jimmy G? Like, who the hell is Jimmy G stinks? Like, I don't understand why, where you thought Jimmy G was good. It doesn't make any sense. He's the same guy. He's the same guy as Derek Carr. but more conservative, so you use right. that good receiver less. It makes no sense. And it's the other thing, too. If you're going to make a move at quarterback there, which I think is fair because Derek Carr is not that good, right? you have to have a, a conversation with Devontae Adams in there because yeah. he came for that reason. He's a really good player, and you want him to buy in. So you have to say, hey, I know you came to play with him. We're going to have to make a move. Um, but we're doing it for this guy, and it's Lamar Jackson we're going for. Well, I'm sure Devonta Adams wouldn't be uh, upset if it was Lamar Jackson they'd made the move right. for instead, but here they are. It's just um, mind-boggling Stupid. ability yeah. to not manage the people, the human beings that you have on your roster for right. two two consecutive head coaching jobs in the same way. It's crazy, you know. It's and it's just one of those things, that, and it's funny because 
of course, everyone then attacks the Patriot way and says Belichick. And of course, now Belichick's not winning without Brady. So, you know, that's, of course, all the storylines, the, the the Patriot way is really the Brady way and all this other crap and like whatever. Right. But like the thing is, is that, yes, yes, Belichick can be a hard ass, of course. But at the end of the day, man, it's like he's not he the players love him. He built he, yeah. he, he is a master relationship builder. Everyone that plays with him outside of Except a few Cassie random <laughs> people, right? Like he's the one, right? And there's probably Asante Samuel too doesn't like him either. But like there's a few guys that haven't played that have played for him that don't like him. Beyond that, everyone else likes and respects him. Everyone. James Harrison came in. I was like, I wanted to hate these guys, man. And Brady and Belichick were awesome. Like, what am I gonna do? You know what I mean? Like, and so and so it's one of those things as a guy that's played against him his whole career and wanted to hate them so bad. And he came in and was like, whoa, these guys are like really down to earth and like interesting and cool. And like, you know, it's building those relationships is not easy. Building a culture where it's challenging and they push you to be your best at all times and they try to keep you on edge all the time. But also where you're appreciated and loved and you can have fun with them. And it, that's not an easy balance, right? It's a hard line to toe, right? You gotta, and you got to win as part of it. Too. Well, that's part of it. That's part of it. If you don't win, then then people don't buy in, you know? Yeah. And winning um, cares a lot. Look at the Seahawks in 2013 and 2014 and all the yeah. drama that's come out since then. Yeah. It worked when they were all together. When they were all on the same team and they were winning, it worked and they were able to make it happen. And Yeah. So uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard. It's a hard situation. But again, I think Josh McDaniels, it was surprising it happened so early. It was really shocking that it happened in the middle of the night. Like, that was stupid that it happened in the middle of the night. But but I just thought, like, it's silly. Like, he deserved it. He 100% deserved to be fired. And, you know, they were going to do it at the end of the year. Adams was super – like, your star receiver, who you're paying a ton of money to, is pissed off. The entire world can see he's pissed off. And Mark Davis is sitting here fuming, saying, F this, dude. Like, get this coach the hell out of here. Put the rookie quarterback in. Because, I mean, to me, the last draw to me was when Jimmy G gets hurt and you start freaking Brian Hoyer instead of Aiden O'Connell. And it's like, what are, you, what are we doing? Like, yeah, I get it. I understand. Like, but Brian Hoyer stinks. We know Brian Hoyer stinks. Like, Put the rookie in who's looked good at times. It's just stupid. Yeah, it was but, when Hoyer came in and immediately looked better than Jimmy G too. Right. When they right. played New England. Um yeah. yeah, it's just not good men. And the other thing is if you're gonna fire him, fire him immediately after that game and then tra- trade Devontae Adams because he doesn't want to be there. Uh and get what get back what you can for him. I mean, yeah. I think that the contract thing it makes it difficult, but my my theory going back to the offseason, too, was that Devontae Adams should have been in Detroit. I thought that made perfect sense for all. My, well, I also thought, you know, if Tom Brady didn't retire, that he'd end up in Detroit. I know. That would all work out together, which didn't happen. But still. Well, wow. But you know what, though? The other part of it, too, for me is that it, it's not it's a situation for me that is supposedly one person said they didn't even answer the phones yesterday during the trade deadline. Yeah. Right. Like they didn't even answer the phones because why would you, you know, you're getting fired in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Why are you trading it? Why am I helping out the next guy? Screw that dude. And that's, it's a shitty thing to do, but you're right. The game ends. See you later, dude. You're fired. 
And then tomorrow we can handle, you know, tomorrow someone else can deal with this, right? And so mm-hmm. I really think, I, I wonder, I don't know, but I wonder, like, if he was going to fire him at the end of the year and then Josh basically, like, knew he was getting fired at the end of the year and was like, dude, screw you, man. I'm not trading anyone. I'm not doing anything. And, or, and Mark Mark Davis is like, all right, that's it. Like, see well, the, the flip side is they watch what happened in that football game, and we just got to pull this now. And while figuring it out, they're like, we're not doing anything at the deadline. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, maybe we figure out what's going on yeah. here. So, uh, I don't know. But anyways, so all right, let's uh, let's um let's set a break, and then uh, then we'll come back. I I know you had one thing you wanted to talk about about the Dolphins game. Yeah, I do want to talk about Belichick just a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then well, I, can, of, we'll, I got an observation about the Dolphins in that game that will relate back to New England and kind of, I think, strategy going forward and evaluating what they have now. All right. All right. So uh, here comes a break, and then we'll go from there. Snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Ages 21 and up in present Massachusetts, hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, so we are back. Um, so let's. What's that thing? The observation you had about the Dolphins game? What do you got? It's. It's. I want to go back to the the second touchdown drive the Dolphins had, and I think how ridiculous it was, and how the way it played out, and I think what it means for the quarterback position in New England. Um, so the context here. This is when it was. Uh, right, right after the Dolphins had scored that touchdown to Tyree Kill, Patriots get the ball, don't do anything yep. with it. They go backwards and they punt the ball to Miami. Dolphins get the ball at the 46-yard line. Uh, I had uh, Jessica Brand check this stat for me. Um, and what she had told me that the Dolphins then went on a 14-play, 54-yard touchdown drive. <laughs> That's 3.7 yards per play on a touchdown three drive. Three yards in a cloud of dust. 3.7 yards would be the lowest yards per play of any team in the NFL right now. And as far as she could tell, at least since 2001, since that had has tracked it, that is the most plays for that, or the, the shortage yard, short, shortest yardage for that number of plays in a drive ever. Wild. And you look at the way it happened. Um, you have a third and long in there where the Dolphins pick up enough yards, go for it on fourth, get it. Third and long, they pick up enough yards, go for it, get it. Third and goal, they get the penalty on the pass interference. But the takeaway in there was that this Dolphins team is almost like the Eagles in a way. The Eagles, you have to play differently because if it's fourth and one or fourth and two, they have the first down. That's basically how that's going to go. And the way Miami's offense is to defend in short yardage, they can be so aggressive with it. And there's not much you can do that. They ran screens on third and long both times, and they picked up most of the yards they needed. 
And by most conventional stats, you say they picked up most of the yards, but not all of them. So it's not a successful play because it's third down. You didn't get the first. To Miami, it's a success because you get close enough that they can attack you. The fourth and four that they picked up, Patriots covered it perfectly. Yep. Didn't matter because Tua scrambles and picks it up. The second one, it's a fourth and one. They run a screen pass. It gets like two yards, maybe three yards. And both of those plays were ones that the Patriots have to line up in a certain way to defend it. And it just leaves something open because they're that hard to defend. The same thing goes for um, the plays before that where they ran the screens. Why do the screens pick up so many yards? Because you are terrified of what those receivers are going to do to you. You Mm -hmm. have to play off. I didn't... I didn't think the Patriots had a bad drive at all. I thought the Patriots actually had a drive that you would usually consider a good defensive drive by any conventional metric or anything, and it's a touchdown for the opposition. What it comes down to is the way you can threaten with an offense and Tua. I thought Tua was really, really good in this game going back. He was very accurate. He didn't make bad mistakes except for that one pick that he threw. Yeah, And he, he was very good at anticipating what the defense was going to do. And we've talked a lot about what it takes for Mac to be successful in the NFL. And it's a lot of the same things we talk about with Tua. It's anticipation. It's reading defenses, putting the ball where it needs to go, driving, driving throws because you don't have the, the strongest arm and making up for it. And Tua's ability to read plays with anticipation, deliver the ball on time. There were a number of plays there where it's, you know, it's the same thing we talked about with the Patriots offense where you need to pick up just small chunks of yards at a time because you're working. That's the way the field's working, and he's hitting right. it one time under pressure every time. And when he makes mistakes, it's almost never interceptions. And the gulf between watching him and watching what Mac does, I think, shows how far Mac will have to go to get to that level. It was, it was I was surprised by just the difference in mental ability on both sides there. And, um, I came I came out of this week still feeling like I wasn't 100% sure on where I was with Mac and watching Tua and what's in the division there. I think Josh Allen's a better quarterback than Tua. And watching what he did it's all right, I don't think Mac is going to get to this level and um he can't he just can't do it like this and uh, yeah. it needs to be somebody else back there. Maybe not next year, but if we're going to win Super Bowls again, it's not it's going to be with a different quarterback. 100%. And look, I think I think ultimately what it comes down to with Mac Jones is that you know, the Patriots just, they thought that he'd be able to win with his mind. They thought that he'd be able to outsmart people before the snap, pre-snap, post-snap, things like that. He hasn't done it. He did it a little bit his rookie year. He did it He did it well for a rookie his rookie year. He hasn't done it since, right? And I get it. I understand he had a bad offensive line. I understand. I get it. He had a bad offensive line. You know who else has a bad offensive line? Tua. Yeah. You know who else has a bad offensive line? Josh Allen. You know who else is a bad offensive line? Zach Wilson. You know, yeah. these guys have Zach Wilson is playing better than Mac Jones right now. There's Zach a lot of Wilson. Yeah. And okay. it's watching like, Tua, the way Tua was stepping into throws with his line was different. Because then you go back and you watch the next Patriots possession, the one before, and they, they, they're calling plays where there's guys open and Mac's not seeing it and he should be seeing it. And part yeah. of the reason he's not seeing it is because he's not stepping up into pockets that are there. And that's kind of. It's a thing we've talked about with Mac for a while now, and I, I don't know exactly what caused it. Maybe it is the offensive line that's given him PTSD, and that's it, and he's broken. But I don't, I don't see it getting fixed anytime soon. He's not stepping it up in the pockets. He's not reading out the field. Right. We, we've talked about it for the Miami game. We talked about it for the Vegas game. We talked about it all season long. And he's not. He's just not. 
the process isn't working there. He's not right. playing like a smart quarterback when he's on the field. There's yep. I mean, there was a play where they could have gotten a 15, 20, 25 yard play to pop Douglas. And instead it's, he's not stepping up into the pocket. He's not finishing his progression. He's thrown an incompletion. And that was right before that Miami drive and just watching the way that happened. Um, right. Well, you compare I mean, it to, how about to the one it? with the, with Devonta Parker, he's getting Parker open for a touchdown on a slant. And he just doesn't throw it to him, right? He has Devontae Parker open for a first down where he takes a sack and he's looking at Ramondre Stevenson running a route against Jalen Ramsey. Like, what are we doing, dude? He's just staring down Ramondre, doesn't even look across the middle for a wide open Devontae Parker. And it's just, that's that's the type of stuff for me where I just, I don't get it, right? I don't get it. And I know Ed is, Ed obviously is a big Mac Jones guy. I get it. I understand. People want to like Mac Jones. People, you know, want to defend want Mac to Jones. Guy. I don't want to have to go look for another quarterback because that's hard. Right. But he's not the guy. He's simply, he yeah. just simply is not the guy. Not, it's not just, just version not, of him. If he, you know, he maybe, maybe he turns over a new leaf and shows all of this for the rest of the season. I doubt it. But if he does, I'll change my opinion on him. Well, right. Uh, but I'm just, 20, we've seen a lot of, we've seen a lot of Mac Jones looking like this. And some of right. this was happening in his rookie year when he had a good offensive line and, some decent weapons around him and a good play caller and all that. Right. And in, in 2021, in 2021, they treated him like a rookie. They didn't open up the total offense. They treated him like a rookie. 2022, they didn't. This year, they didn't. Everyone asked, like, why did why did Bailey Zappi look so different than Mac Jones? The reason why Bailey Zappi looked different than Mac Jones is because they gave him, they let him run the offense as if he was a rookie quarterback. And they, they, they also said, played You're throwing to this guy. Don't throw it to anyone else. Don't even look at that guy. Just throw it to this they guy. Also, they played the Lions and the Browns too. Right. Both That's of which were ranked as the worst defense in the NFL the the week that they faced them. That helps. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, like that helps too. But but it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, they treated him like a rookie. Anytime you've treated Mac Jones as anything other than a rookie, he's looked like crap. I, I mean, like at some point, we're gonna have to sit here and say, we can talk about the offensive line, and we can talk about the weapons, and we can talk about the – well, last year it was because Matty P was here. And now this year it's because of the weapons. Well, now wait a second. What weapons did he have in 2021 that he doesn't have this year? Aren't his weapons – I would argue his weapons this year are better than the weapons he had in 2021. So, like yeah. – so that's, that's the thing about that, right? And yeah. so – and look, here's the problem, right? And, and and I think this segues nicely into into what what I want to talk about next, and that's Bill Belichick. Is that you know the the issue that I have, and the thing that sucks about this is that the haters, the Bill Belichick haters, the people that have hated Bill Belichick since he got here because he doesn't talk to the media and he's not happy with the media and all this bullshit. You know, those people are going to win, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're going to sit here and say Belichick sucked without Brady and he was never good and he was blah blah blah, blah and all that crap, right? And like, and like, I, I honestly, what I want to have happen, I want Bill Belichick to go somewhere else and win a Super Bowl somewhere else, just so I can say, you morons, this is what you had, right? And so, and so that's that's the situation. So, but anyways, and I think based on how the defense has played, I think like the fact that they gave up thirty one points to Miami. I think had a lot more to do with how good Miami is than any issues on the Patriots defense except for you know personnel with guys being hurt uh, yep you could see the difference in the talent there that was apparent because i thought 
Patriots probably played about as many good plays on defense as the Dolphins had on offense, but the, the just the explosive plays were kind of the difference. And it was those two two blown coverages on touchdowns that did it. Right. Uh, and the Patriots only had one on kind of a blown coverage with Kendrick Bourne there. But um, no, Belichick still has it. I don't know exactly how good he is in this modern NFL, but that doesn't change anything about his legacy because when it was the modern NFL in 2001, what it looked like that year, he was really good. And it was the modern NFL with the K gun offense and the bills. He had a defensive game plan. So good. They got him in the hall of fame. I mean, it's not right. Every season's a new puzzle. Every season's a new game here. Trying to figure out what strategies are in the NFL. And I think he's gotten slightly behind the times with a quarterback who just isn't that good right now. A quarterback who isn't that good is like the thing that gets coaches fired. That, that's got to be the number one thing that gets a coach fired in the NFL is having a quarterback that isn't that good. Yeah. The one thing the one thing that I think you can criticize Bill the most for is not having a super progressive offensive coach come yeah. through his tree. So like so that's that's one of the things for me where I can look at it and say, you should have brought someone in from the outside. You should have brought someone Maybe not necessarily McVay, right? But like somebody like a Sean McVay, their coaching tree, some like dumpy assistant coach, and just bring this guy in as an offensive assistant, right? And let him work his way up into into offensive coordinator, and like let it go from there. Because you held on to Josh McDaniels forever, and then he left, and then instead of bringing in some young hotshot, you brought in Matty P. And that was a disaster. And then when Matty P didn't work out, you brought back Bill O'Brien. And it's like the same thing. We're running the same offense that we ran with Tom Brady when the NFL was very different 15 years ago, right? And so, and I think that that's, you know, I think that that's one of those things where it's difficult because, you know, it's it's hard. And that's and that's one of those things. And it's funny Jeremy made a comment about, about Belichick's coaching tree and how Belichick's coaching tree is so bad and it's and it's an embarrassment and this and that. Go take a look. Go take a look. Just just out of curiosity, go take a look at the 1993 and 1994 and 1995 Cleveland Browns. Just just take a look. Just peruse. Just peruse. I think you'll recognize some of the that names. That coaching tree. You might recognize every freaking one of them. So, yeah. like, it, it becomes a situation where it's like, yeah, the guys – he was so good in New England, and he was so good in New England because he did things a certain way. And I think guys fell into that trap of wanting to be that certain way that he was in New England, and it just doesn't work, right? One of the things that Belichick – one of the reasons why Belichick failed in Cleveland, and it's not the only reason, but one of the reasons he failed in Cleveland is because he tried to be like Bill Parcells. He came from Bill Parcells' coaching tree. He tried to be like Bill Parcells. He wasn't Bill Parcells. Well, and so – yeah. When it wasn't working, then he got fired. And he realized that and he said, I'm gonna grow from that and I'm gonna not be Bill Belichick, Bill Bill Parcells, I'm gonna be Bill Belichick. Right. And so and he's done that. And I think that for whatever reason, his coaching tree hasn't figured that out yet. And I don't know why, but they haven't. Well he he also failed in Cleveland because they announced during the well, season that the team was gonna that, move that's, and all, that's also true. That yeah. yeah. Right. Uh well, like I don't, we've been doing the whole coaching tree discussion with Belichick since like 2005 with Charlie Weiss and Romeo Crennel, and it's like it's 2023. I'm not that interested in it at this point. These guys, right. their own human beings, who are going to live and die off of their own abilities as head coach, and 
how well Josh McDaniels does when he becomes a head coach has no bearing on how good Bill Belichick was. Like Bill Belichick's job is to win football games, and he's been very, very good at that for a very right. long time now. And I don't think what his assistants went on to do later has any real bearing here on how he should be judged in his regard of his ability to win football games. I don't think it's, it's interesting. We're looking towards the future and who they might hire next. If you know they want to bring in McDaniels as a head coach, please no. But um, I just don't, I, I don't find it that compelling a discussion at this point. We've been doing it for like 20 years in New England. Right. It just, it, you know, it, it becomes a situation where you want to ask those questions and, and it just, you know, whatever, dude. It just is what it is, and that's fine. And and you know, it doesn't matter. Like people, people hate Belichick, and have hated Belichick for years, for a multitude of reasons, right? He's he's this and he's that, and I don't like him. And fine, that's okay. It's okay for you to hate Belichick, right? It's all right. You're wrong. You sound dumb, but like you know, you're only gonna remember these few years, and, and so you're gonna say that he was nothing without without Brady, right? And so fine. But meanwhile, in the middle of a rebuild in 2020 with one of the worst lineups I've ever seen in my entire life with a quarterback that literally couldn't throw the ball, they went 7-9. and nine. So, Yeah, so, that was, like, and they were like a yard away from being 8-8 eight and eight in Seattle um, if they win that game and they push it through. Like that's right. – Bill, Bill is still uh, one of the better defensive coaches in the league currently right now in developing game plans to beat teams. Um and he's still a pretty good, like, CEO of running a football operation. Uh, I think we've just seen the brain drain of some of the pieces around him in general. They, they've had to churn through a lot of guys because these guys have gotten jobs elsewhere. And they're, we, we've talked about that for a while now. Um, and, you know, if you're trying to win football games and your quarterback isn't that good, you're going to have a hard time. And they right. haven't gotten a good quarterback, quarterback play since Tom Brady left. And I don't think that's really a, a surprise here. Right. And that's, you know, and ultimately what it comes down to. And again, uh, you know, we got to understand, too, I'm not giving a pass to anyone. I'm not saying it's not Bill Belichick's fault. I'm not saying he's done everything right because he hasn't. Right. He hasn't. But like. You have to remember, yeah, we've missed on on quite a few draft picks, of course. Right. Every team misses on a bunch of draft picks. Every team. Yeah. We've also just had bad luck too, right? Like we just have, you know, like it's just not – if you draft Jimmy Garoppolo in 2017 instead of 2014, well, you're in a different situation than you were, yeah. right? Where you let – we let Brady walk after 2019 and you let Jimmy Garoppolo take over in 2020, right? And so yeah. like and, – and look, I know, I know Jimmy G is not anything special, but like he's at least a competent player when he's in the when he's in the situation that he's working on right and yeah. so like it's it's one of those things where it's like things just didn't work out the way they they had Stidham they thought Stidham was going to be all right as the replacement he wasn't so they went out and signed Cam Newton and Cam Newton brought a different style of offense but really couldn't throw the ball so there there are there are some of those things and again the the talent evaluation for offensive players has been awful it's been awful and that's simple. In development. Right? The talent evaluation and development for offensive players has been awful, right? It's been bad. But again, you cannot say they haven't tried. They tried and they failed over and over again, right? Yeah. They've devoted more assets to the offensive side of the football. And by the way, it's not that close. 
They've devoted way more assets to the offensive side of the football than they have to the defense side of the football. Especially when you're including cap space and some of the spending they've done. Cap space and trades and all that other stuff. Like, come on, it's not close. Going back to the Bill Bill thing, too. So when we're talking about the legacy of Bill, which some people like to bring up, what's happened the last couple of years is a blip compared to the best 20-year run any franchise has ever had. Um, right now, when it comes to it, there's the the Florio uh, report that yes. he insisted was not a report, that was just something that somebody else had told him so he was hearing. Um, which you know, I if you can't even say that it's a report, I don't really think I'm going to take it seriously. But at least a reporter is saying that some people are talking about <laughs> the right. idea that Bill might get traded to Washington. Um, and what I'll say, well, I'm not going to take what Florio says on it seriously just because he's not taking it seriously in the way he's saying it. What I will say is I think it makes some sense. Bill Belichick is still good at what he does. Um, if the Patriots are looking to move on, getting draft capital back for a coach is an awesome thing. And I, I think one of the things when you look at some of the teams that are successful, they kind of get a break when it comes to draft capital at some point. Along the line, Miami right now, why do they have Tyreek Hill? Because they were awful that one year. They got a top pick and the Niners gave them a whole draft hall to come up and they turned those picks into really good players by trading with them. Uh, One of the reasons the Bengals have gotten as good as they were is because Joe Burrow got hurt and the team stank and they got another high pick because of it. Things like that, where teams just kind of get lucky and end up with something in the draft. The Eagles have had a bunch of picks because the Saints keep trading with them and giving them extra first rounders in there. So things like that that keep happening. And somebody's going to give you a first round pick for Bill Belichick, which I would have to imagine would be the price that you'd have to ask for. At this point, especially with the, what the results on the field have been and the discussions about him possibly being fired anyway, I think you at least have to consider that. I think it's a plausible idea and. Commanders are not a playoff team. I mean, you're looking at having two top 15 picks in the draft mm-hmm. with one of them be, probably being top five, depending on what happens with New England here. But I mean, it could be could be two top 10 picks, could be a top five and a top 15. I don't know exactly where it would break down. But right. um, yeah, that, that would be hard to pass up on. And that, that kind of infusion of, of young talent that you could get with that would yeah. be huge. Well, the one thing, and look, I don't, I don't know. First of all, Flora's a dummy, but like, <laughs> what I will say is that what he said that made sense that I agreed with, and I said it as soon as I saw the report. I said it. Bill Belichick did not leak his contract details. Didn't he? Did not leak his contract details. Those details, those details were leaked by the crafts. That's what they were leaked by was by the crafts. Okay. They leaked that for for to me. It was because this is our guy, and we're supporting him. And I know people are talking about firing him, but we're not. But what Florio said, and I thought that made sense too, was that we do support him, and also we're not firing him. So what that means is that if you want him, you're gonna have to come get him. Yeah. Um, and so you know, look. Maybe they will do that. Maybe they won't do that. Maybe it will be Washington. Maybe it won't. Maybe it will be Chicago. Maybe it will be because Eberflus is 100% getting fired. Chicago is going to have two probably top five picks. Now, if you're Chicago and you offered the Patriots, instead of giving them a first-round pick in 2024, if you have to offer them a, a, you know, 
you don't have your second round pick anymore, but a third round pick in 2024 and a first round pick in 2025. Well, now I'd be okay with that still, right? And so the the thing is, is that I just think for the Patriots, moving on for Bill Belichick may not be the worst idea. And if you're able to get a, a high draft pick for it, it makes a lot of sense. Now, look, at the end of the day, it comes down to can you hit on your draft picks? The New York Jets have sucked forever. Why? Because they always miss on their draft picks. That they just keep missing on their draft picks and their coaching sucks. But like you if you continuously miss on your draft picks, you're never gonna have good players. Right? It's, it's got it starts with the draft. And, and so like the Patriots are gonna have to turn it around and hit on some draft picks. It's, it's gonna have to happen, right? Which they did they did this year. Yeah, and they did. And so, and I would say that they did last year as well. Now, I, I understand that um, I get it, right? I, I understand that maybe, you know, whatever. You don't love the top of the draft, right? I don't love Tyquan Thornton either. Cole Strange is fine, but maybe not great. Okay. But it's one of those situations with the Patriots where I think they got, you get Jack Jones. You get Marcus Jones. You've got you got guys that could help out last year. Now you didn't hit on all of those guys, but you hit on enough that you're like, okay, I feel like we're I feel pretty good about what they got last year. This year, again, like you said, Christian Gonzalez is a home run. I know he's hurt this year, but like, my God, that guy's a stud. Keon White looks like he's going to be a really good player. Marte Mapu, we'll see. City So looks like he's a good player. Like, that's it's one of those things for me that like, I just. I don't know, man. It's it's one of those that I look at it and just think like we're gonna be all right if we continue to turn this thing around. But the other the other part of it is that they drafted all defensive players this year, which is great. And I'm happy about that. And it looks like Chad Round, after starting out the season kind of rough, he's turned it around and is kind of, you know, leveled back out and has looked good. Bryce Barringer looks good, right? So like they hit on it looks like they hit on both those picks, which is great. But, like, at a certain point, you're going to have to hit on not just, you know, and Pop Douglas had mentions too, which is true, right? They hit on Pop Douglas, it looks like, for a six-round pick, certainly, right? At a certain point, though, you're going to have to, you're going to have to look at it and say, this is where we're at. We have to hit on solid offensive players and not just offensive players, right? Quarterback, wide receiver. Those are the positions you have to hit on, and they haven't yet. Yeah, and that's you know that's where you're regardless of who's going to be the GM or the coach for this team next year, because it could be Bill back, and I'm not going to get too upset if that is what it ends up being. Um, right, I would have questions, but we'll we'll see where things stand at the end of the season, um, depending on how they pick things up here. And there's the Kendrick Bourne injury, and just you know what team is even going to be on the field. Right. But it's a good draft for offensive talent. I really like the receivers here. The more I watch them, the more I like this receiving class. I got to get into the quarterbacks more, but there's some good players there. And I think there's guys that are worth taking in the second, third rounds who you can at least take yep. a flyer on and let them come in and compete. Usually don't get guys there, but I was, I was thinking about this. One of the things I find interesting about the AFC versus the NFC right now in general, look at the quarterback disparity about how teams got them. Look at the AFC. Dolphins, two is their first round pick. Josh Allen. 
the Bills' first-round pick. Mahomes, the Chiefs' first-round pick. Herbert, the Chargers' first-round pick. Burrow, the Bengals' first-round pick. C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, first-round picks. Trevor Lawrence, first-round pick. All of that stuff. And then you go over to the NFC. San Francisco, they got Brock Purdy. And uh, you got Seattle with Geno Smith. He was a first-round pick, but that's not how he got to Seattle. Come to the NFC East. Dak Prescott was a third, fourth rounder? Third, third round pick, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jalen Hurts, second. second round pick. And then the NFC North. Um, you've got Jerry Goff, who, yeah, was a number one pick. Not for the Lions. He got shipped out of where he was. And right. you've got Kirk Cousins, who obviously that hasn't really, that's he was not going to a fourth gonna... round pick, right? Was he a fourth round pick? He was, but he got to Minnesota as the highest paid free agent. Even True. the Rams, with how they've been, they traded for Matt Stafford, who was also a first-round pick. But if you look at where the the NFC is right now and the AFC, it's really interesting. The AFC is all these guys who drafted and developed their own quarterbacks. The NFC is, you know, late-round picks, right. mid-round picks, trading sure. for guys, signing guys. Uh, and I think that goes to show that there are multiple ways to skin this cat. And also, unless the Patriots are picking the top of the draft with an elite talent there, um, they might not be able, they might not be, you know, picking a guy who's going to be able to fight with the AFC teams the way that those guys are drafting quarterbacks. So if you want to beat them, you might have to do things a little bit differently. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll be able to talk, I think, more specifically about the draft as we get closer, as we learn more about the prospects, as we learn more about the where the Patriots sit. Schedule gets easier here. Washington on Sunday. We didn't talk about the game here. I think it's very winnable. I don't think Washington's a very good team. I think their defense is atrocious. Down the two best pass rushers with nobody good in the secondary. So Patriots, I think, can win this game. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know how many games the Patriots are going to win with how hurt they are. I think they the biggest win yeah, some. The biggest thing for me is that Washington made it pretty clear they're going to tank. They yeah. traded their two. Really, what I think is their, is their two best players. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you can make an argument. Terry McLaurin is better. You know, it's whatever. But but you get the idea that okay. two of their best defensive players they just traded for draft picks, straight up for draft picks, and so um, that is a is a challenge, right? But I, see, the thing for me is that what scares me is that typically when you think teams are going to tank, they actually turn around and play really well for a week or two, and then they look like terrible. So like, so that's one of those things for me that like, that's what worries me. Um, by the way, Jerry's asking about Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams, you're not going to be available until the off season. And I think I would think, I would think that, um, that he's not going to be, um, what's it called? What am I trying to say? I don't think he's going to be traded because you're going to get a new coach. New coaches are going to want to deal with him unless he's well, unless he's such a malcontent that you yeah. don't have to. Well, I think, um, and I wouldn't. If the Patriots were a playoff team this year, I wouldn't mind trading for Devonta Adams. I think that'd be a great move because you're giving up the 25th pick for Devonta Adams for a team that was just a playoff team. That's not where they are. You know, if they're picking top 10 you're probably not going to draft Devontae Adams there because it's very hard to get a player that good. But I think you can draft a guy who is a very good wide receiver prospect, but you're not going to have to pay the money that Devontae oh, Adams right. has. And I think that is a – and who's, you know, in theory, you can re-sign and keep around. And that yep. one player is a big part of your passing game for a decade plus. And I think that yep. is kind of what you're you're going for. And I like the idea. I don't hate the idea of trading for Devontae Adams. I just – I think you're – if you're trading for a guy – 
it's going to be Justin Jefferson because he doesn't want to re-sign in Minnesota or Brandon Ayuk because he doesn't want to re-sign in San Francisco. If you're making a trade, I think you're going for that tier of player. Yeah, 100%. And that's, you know, that's one of those things for me that like when you start looking at and you, I, I understand, right? I do get it where you sit there and say like, well, yes, but you know, it's Devontae Adams, right? He's a great player. And that is definitely true. But like, for instance, the Patriots traded away, uh, traded for Brandon Cooks in 2017, right? They traded a first-round pick for Brandon Cooks. They only had him for one year, and then they ended up trading him back for a first-round pick. They traded it to Owens. It was the number – it was a 32 pick – it was 32nd pick overall. So they traded it to New Orleans, right? New Orleans ended up drafting Ryan Ramchick there, who is a fine player. Not a great player, but a fine player. Mm-hmm. But – that's a situation where if you really needed a wide receiver, you draft a wide receiver in that situation. The interesting thing is Juju was taken in the second round that year. But like, but like it, it's it's one of those situations. Cooper Cup gets drafted in the third round that year. Right. So yeah, uh, you know Curtis Samuel got drafted a few, you know, pick number 40. So like so there are guys that that could have been had if you really needed a wide receiver. And you love the, and maybe they didn't love the wide receiver class. Uh, Twenty seventeen wasn't great, but the idea is that you're drafting a guy to help your team in the long run. Drafting Brandon Cooks helped for one year because you're trying to win a Super Bowl, and it got you the Super Bowl, and you end up losing because Brandon Cooks got hurt in that Super Bowl. Not only because Brandon Cooks got hurt well, in the Super Bowl, obviously, the but existence of Jordan Richards, right? Partly because of that, and yes, Jordan <laughs> Richards and Johnson Badmosi was cut, playing corner for you, right? But like, but the idea was that. You trade for Brandon Cooks because you're trying to compete for Super Bowl. You don't do that this year because you're not competing for anything right now. You're trying to build this team with yeah, young players and build yeah. around those players. Well, and I think that's the other thing, too. If, if we come down the back stretch here and Mac turns a corner and you think you can win with him, and the offensive line turns a corner and we think we have a line that you can yep. do, then right. maybe you're in a different spot. Um, but, you know, there's it's that's where we're going to see what the, where they're at. I also I like you bringing up some of the second and third round receivers too because I think there's a lot of depth in this year's receiver yeah. draft class and I, I, they need offensive weapons they need wide receivers in theory they should just go with the best wide receiver on the board wherever they pick and go from there. That said, they need offensive line help. They might need yep. quarterback. They need a lot. You can you look at this draft and there's a world where you can say all right you go offensive tackle in the first wide receiver in the second quarterback in the third. Or you're going to go wide receiver in the first quarterback and the second wide receiver in the third or whatever. I think if you want to double dip in the first couple of days with receivers with some of the guys who could be available and we'll see how they look here. But there's a lot of talent um, and a lot a lot of ways to approach this draft where I think you can get your your offensive talent, not necessarily just in the top five or the top 10, but you know, in top 50, top 100. I think you can get star receivers in that spot. Justin Jefferson, the guy we're talking about here, Brendan Ayuk, both guys who lasted well into the first round. I think Ayuk was a high second rounder, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, he was. Yep. yep. Yeah. T. Higgins, second rounder, I think. Yep. So yeah, first pick in the second round, but yes, still counts. Yeah, there's, there's, you can, you know, obviously mentioned Cooper Cup. You can get receivers at a number of spots in the draft. So I, you mm-hmm. got to draft it high, but I think the key is drafting multiple. You, right. You two of your top 100 picks on receivers. Correct. Well, and that's, you know, like in 2022, the Patriots spent a second round pick on, on a wide receiver and they just drafted the wrong one. Now, again, 
We've been over this, right? I don't know if George Pickens was on their list. He probably wasn't on their list. But, like, don't you think the Patriots wide receiver room would look a little bit different if George Pickens was the number one wide receiver instead of Tyquan Thornton? You know what I mean? Like, if they had drafted George Pickens last year instead of Tyquan Thornton, the wide receiver room would look a little different, right? So, like, so that's part of it where you sit there and say, like, you know, they could have done that, right? They could have, instead of drafting Cole Strange, drafted a guy like Christian Watson who went 34th overall, right? You could have done those things. So who hasn't so done much for Green Bay at this point either. He has not. He has not. Um, and so, but still, you know, it's it's one of those things. And so, look, maybe Booty turns it around and he looks great by the end of the year. Maybe DeMario Douglas is the guy that you want him to be. But at the end of the day, the rest of your, the rest of your right, right receiving court isn't great, right? Yeah. You need weapons on offense. You have good players on defense already. Retain those guys. Look, I wanted City So to be a tackle. I think they drafted him to be a tackle. If you feel comfortable with, with Mike Onwenu at right tackle and you like City So at right guard, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying we're going to re-sign Mike Onwenu and we're going to leave him at tackle and we're going to leave City So at guard even though we think he has some potential to play tackle because he's been really good at guard. And if that's the situation, then you leave him there, and it is what it is, you know? So I don't know, but that's that's what I'm thinking. The offensive line, too. I mean, you're in a spot right now. It can still go a lot of ways. You might go into next year needing three or four new starters, and you might go into next year needing no new starters, depending on what happens over the next two months. Correct. That's, yep. I think, right. what you want to say. And obviously, you got guys hitting free agency, but, I mean, if you can retain them and keep them, you might be able to just bring back the offensive line if it looks good. And I think it looks better now than it has question is can it go from better to genuinely good i think that is the next step and you know that's going to be internal development of these guys so and strange do they get better doesn't when it would just to being a tackle i think those are your big questions right um right and we'll see and i think in an ideal world as a patriots fan they probably lose every game from here on out except for the jets one because i'd like to beat the jets and you do that losing games like 34 to 30 in every single one of them. And the offense puts things together and looks good. And you're losing because the defense is hurt and you just don't have quite enough. And then you feel good going into next year and you feel like you're close. That's what you like to see. It's probably not what's going to happen, but um, I don't know. It's yeah. that's not a T- TJ in the chat saying given it's upset, upset that we're giving up on this year and everybody's given up on this year, man, I don't want to, but you're down your best receiver your best pass rusher, your best corner, your only explosive playmaker in special teams. Um, I don't think there's a lot of teams that could withstand losing all of those guys and would still be good teams, and certainly not the Patriots. This was For this Patriots team to win, it was going to take a lot of cohesion from the guys at the top and all of their playmakers playing well at the same time, and those playmakers are hurt right now. This team didn't right. have depth. We knew it didn't have depth. We thought this was a mediocre team that could play like a good team by playing together and putting together the pieces, and right now the pieces are scattered on the floor. Yep, yep. So, all right, let's uh, let's, let's move into the, to the end of the show. By the way, congratulations to the Texas Rangers who won the World Series 5-0 today. Arizona had a no-hitter going uh, for a while. I think I think all the way into the seventh inning, and then okay. um, yeah, and then they, uh, that Diamondbacks had an error in the eighth too, which spurred a whole Ranger or might have been the ninth. Ninth was the ninth, yeah, because they scored four in the ninth, yeah. Yeah, that spurred a whole run there that kind of sealed it. Um, they Texas the Rangers, <laughs> Texas has won, which is wild, dude. 
Texas has won 11 straight postseason road games, which is insane to think about. Yeah, um, impressive stuff. But yeah, 11 straight postseason road wins, and and they are the official new World Series champions. So congratulations yeah. to to the Texas Rangers. Okay, let's get into prop bets. We're going to know our prop bets for this week. Do you, want me, do you want me to do my college game first, or do you want to do? Prop oh yeah, let's do college game first, and then we'll do the prop yeah. bets here. We'll keep this quick because we're looking now that we're looking at draft season. We're looking ahead for college games, and I think I think there's an easy one to highlight on your calendars for this Saturday, 7:30 p.m. Eastern. On ABC, number five, Washington at number 20, USC. It's a high-powered Washington offense. A lot of receivers over there. Those are the guys you're going to want to watch. They got three guys that are going to get drafted who are all very good, including Roma Dunze in the first round and Michael Penix, the quarterback. Yep. And USC's got Caleb Williams, who's a bona fide top five pick, top two quarterback in this draft, and a guy with really, really high potential who's – played up and down the last couple of weeks. So we'll, we'll see if he can rebound from some of that. Uh, and, you know, it's very possible that some guys on offense for one of these two teams, possibly the quarterbacks are going to be in new England in just a couple of months. So uh, that's Washington at USC. That's a good one. one that's a good one. Eye. Michael Penix. Hey, they draft, maybe the lefty quarterback work for Miami. Maybe it'll work for new England. You never know. Maybe, I wonder if Connor maybe Stallions is going to be in attendance for that game. Ooh, Connor have, Stallions. Have, have you seen this whole thing, Pat? Yeah, yeah. It's this Michigan thing is ridiculous. It's it's, it's my, my favorite it's, story. It's so stupid. Like it's so stupid. And I understand that like it's technically it's illegal and it's like what but like I could do it and then send it into the Patriots. Like what like you're well, filming the side, like I understand. Well, now, and like, now it seems like the guy was was in disguise on the sideline at like a Central Michigan game, wearing like the Ray Vans with the camera in them or whatever, recording things. Right, which right. Is just like, like that's just funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Funny. We'll see. Um, I'm a Michigan fan too, uh, so yeah. we'll see what happens there. Yeah. But uh, so, wild stuff. All anyways, right. all right. So let's um. So we'll go to the prop bets. Prop bets, by the way, for those of you that that are late to the party here. Uh, the loser of the prop bets uh, is going to run uh, at some point in the offseason um, the Patriots conditioning test, Patriots offensive lineman conditioning test. Um, last week, your boy climbed back, baby. 2-0 and last week for me. 0-2 for you last week. Um, so I am 4-12 and on the season, and you are now 6-10. and So it hasn't been a good year so far. It's been a rough year uh, in, in the betting world for us. Um, but... Nevertheless, so I'm going to go first, and then and you can go. I think slam dunk. This is a slam dunk home run, mm-hmm. and for plus money, by the way, I'm going to go Miami Dolphins first half winner. Okay, plus 110, which isn't plus much, but it's plus something. Um, here's why. Here's why I'm going Miami Dolphins first half winner, because for these international games, there's a big time change. I knew you were going time change. Uh huh. Throws you all off whack, right? Miami went to Germany like on Monday. Kansas City is flying to Germany tomorrow night, Thursday night. They're not getting in till Friday. They're going to be all screwed up, and they might end up winning the game. But I think the beginning of the game, Miami is going to be more fresh. They're going to be ready to go. They're going to be acclimated to the time change, and so I think Miami is going to be ready to go. And and uh, Kansas City is not going to be ready to go, so I'm going Miami Dolphins first half winner Sunday morning. I like it. I like it. Do you want to do you want to give your other one too, and then I'll go. I'll give mine. 
Uh, yeah, sure. I can do both. That's fine. Yeah. Um, my second is just an absolute disgusting, just a disgusting game. Um, I'm going Giants Raiders under under 14. No, it, the number is 37 and a half. So I'm gonna go. Ooh, I'm gonna go under gotta, 37 and a half. I thought I thought you were pulling the same thing I was there because I'm also pulling the hater card this weekend under 37 and a half, but it's a different game. It's Browns Ooh, Cardinals. Okay, all right. Yeah. So Browns then, Cardinals under 37 and a half. Yep, and I'm pulling the hater card on Will Levis. Under 204 and a half passing yards. Ooh, or I like short, that. short rest Thursday night game on the road against a good Pittsburgh defense. And I think he was he was more up and down than the highlights showed in his first game. I think it's going to come crashing back down to earth Thursday night. He's going to have a rough one. All right. What's the number? 209? 204 and a half. 204 and a half. Hey. Uh, I'll tell you what. That I almost went. It's so funny because I almost went um, against Will Levis just because of that. Yeah. Right? Just because of that. Um, yeah. But it's so cool. Gary asked if if Taylor is going to Germany. Taylor, I doubt, is going to Germany. I can't imagine he is. Um, but uh, but my parents will be there. That's kind of nice. exciting. My parents are over there right now. So Go say hi to them. Look at that. Appreciate the kind words here, Pinga. Uh, said, never give you a chance. Guys, a chance before Lane and St. Jean are very good and level-headed. Respect. I appreciate that after the comment. High compliment. That's what we 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 try to bring. That we were the lowest. Well, he started off by saying we were the lowest tier of of Patriot supporters. So uh, we've we've changed his mind, which is is nice. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a a lot of hysteria in Patriots talk radio and Boston talk radio. And uh, we're trying to turn that to. We're we're your Patriots therapist telling you why, you know, everything (laughs) isn't necessarily falling apart. Things aren't good. Things aren't good. But they're not as bad as people are telling you they are. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll play it level. We'll play it level. Although, you know, looking for a quarterback in the draft is not where you want to be. And that might be where they are. But we're okay. We're we're okay. We'll we'll go after the games on Sunday and throw in the Super Bowl DVD and be okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Remember the good times. You know what I mean? So anyways. All right. So that's that's that. Um, you got your Patriots trivia, so we're going to do Patriots trivia, and then we'll finish with this week in post history like we always do. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go from there, and then we'll be out of here. And it will, Oh, yes, and Gary mentioned – I think it was Gary earlier that mentioned the Celtics won 155-104, to 155 flipping points. The Celtics are on pace right now to go 82-0. It's going to be it's going to be a fun year. Is 155 more than the, the number of points the Patriots have scored all year? Oh, my God. It's not even close. It's like triple. <laughs> Maybe not triple, but it's it's definitely more points than the Patriots scored this year. Hundred percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. No way. Pats have scored one hundred and eighteen points. Yeah. Yep. Celtics just yep. outscored the Patriots. In I mean, it's, one night. you know, it is, you know. And and by the way, Jason Tatum played twenty six minutes and had thirty points. So like, yeah, that was like it's like a buy game in college basketball. You're just pl- having a team come into your gym to beat them for some yeah, practice. Bad dude. That was yeah, bad. Pieces. And pieces aren't good, but I mean, still, they're not that bad. They shouldn't be that so, bad. And uh, R.I.P. Bob Knight as well. Bob Knight. Yes. Yes. Um, Bobby. Trivia attempt? Yes, let's do it. Uh, For those who are new here, because we have somebody new, we do a trivia question at the end of every episode. First person to get the answer correct in the chat is going to be entered for a drawing to win something from the pro shop, which we're going to be doing up by week, I think. Coming Coming up. up. Yeah. So, you know, last chance to get in before the first drawing here. Last week's question which two Patriots had pick sixes in New England's win in Miami in 2019? 
Stefan Gilmore, and Jamie Collins. Matt Menino was the first on that one. Of course. Yes. That's very good with the trivia. If he doesn't win, it's going to be like – it's gonna, this is going to be like the NBA lottery where he's got like 15 of them and then everyone else has like one or two and I then he's going to lose. We'll, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll have to freeze one of the envelopes. <laughs> um, I'm, we're, going, we're going with an opponent-specific one here. We're going to have some okay. fun with this one, Pat. We're going to take a trip down memory lane for this trivia question. In 2011, Patriots offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien made headlines for his screaming match with Tom Brady on the sideline after the quarterback threw an interception in the end zone late in the fourth quarter in Washington. Sure, that's a moment that we all remember. However, do you remember which Patriot player would then go on to seal the win by picking off Washington in the red zone uh, immediately after that? Okay. All right. Yeah. That's a good one. 2011 Patriots looking for someone to get an interception on that team throughout your uh, throughout your guesses. That was that was an iconic moment. I I see the Taekwon Underwood in the chat there, TJ. Uh, that's the, that's the answer to a different question, which is who was Tom Brady targeting in the end zone on that pick? Which is Yes, who who what Patriots defensive player intercepted uh who I don't even know who the quarterback was for Washington at that point. Who knows? Um, one Rex of the crappy, Grossman, one of the terrible quarterback. No way. I Rex believe. Grossman was still around then? No way. Hold on. I have the, no I have the way it was Rex Grossman in one of my tabs, I'm sure. Uh, Rex, you tell me Rex Grossman lasted five years after the 06 Super Bowl. There's no chance Rex Grossman lasted five more years there. Uh, let me let me find this out for you real quick. I got it. I got it. I thought I had the box score open. Still, I didn't. So I got to find it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Washington. What yeah. an idiot! Yes, yes, yes. You're right. It was. It was. Um, it was Rex Grossman. You're right. Yeah. I was thinking Rex Grossman was still in the Bears. I'm like, there's no way he lasted five more years in the Bears, which he did. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. This is Washington. Yeah. That's why it's right. opponent specific. We got we got yes, Bill O'Brien in here. We got I got Washington in here for this week. And uh, the only hint I'll drop here is that it isn't typically uh, the player plays a position where you wouldn't usually Ooh. see interceptions. It's not. It's totally wild. It's not yes, something it's not crazy. Like Vince Wilfork. Yeah, but it's not <laughs> like you, you, these aren't guys you're, who are typically getting the picks. All right. All right. I like yeah. it. I it like was, it. It was a deflected pick. I had to go back and watch it before this, and it was uh, a wild, a wild sequence. The Washington scored what should have been the game, uh, game tying touchdown, and there was an offensive pass interference from Santana Moss on it in the oh end zone God. on Julian Edelman, which Washington back so was much. a little bit ticky-tacky. The, the yep. Pats got away with one there. We'll take it. Don't you, don't you love the – don't you miss the days when we used to get, like, actual calls? When the, nice. like the 50-50 calls would go our way instead of the other it, way. It was, nice. it was nice. And before we do the trivia, I'm just going to plug this real quick. Oh, uh, yes, my, do it. Yes. My hat here, this Papa Bear Spice Company. It's my dad's spice company. He just launched his own blend of spices today. Uh, so there's a 10% off sale on his website, papabearspice.com. I got a jar. It's an older jar now. They have a new. He has a new label. There's a jar of his spices. It's like a chili rub. It's really, really good. He started using it for his chili, and then we just put it on all of the meat all the time, and it's fantastic. So I highly, highly recommend you go check that out. And somebody in here asked if we shipped to New Zealand the other day, I think last week when, when this got mentioned, and my dad did add international shipping. I do not know how expensive it is, but uh, it is that it. is an option. <laughs> it is available. Yes, so. and, it, and for those new for the trivia question, the answer will be in next week's episode, yes. next Wednesday. Yes, we will give the answer next week. Who got it right and what the answer was. 
Yes, exactly. So, so all right, awesome. Uh, that's a good one. All right, let's let's finish it up. Last uh, last segment of the uh, of the episode. Here we go. Where are we? Here we go. And now for something we think you'll really like. This week in sports history. All right, so I have two. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go uh, first. I'm going to say this day, November 1st, 1913, Notre Dame upsets Army 35-13 to in their inaugural football game. Newt Rockney was the one of their wide receivers. And not only, okay, not only uh, did they win, but they actually used the forward pass effectively. Gus Dorius was 14 of 17 for 243 yards passing and two touchdowns. How about that? So uh, the forward pass being used in 1913 by Notre Dame in their first ever football game, upsetting Army 35-13. That, that reminds me. There's uh, one. There's an NFL Films documentary out there somewhere. and I, I don't remember exactly what it's called. It's it's something like the history of like the football or the history of the forward pass or something like that. But it details the way the actual shape of the football has changed over time yeah. in the yeah, way that make it, it so impacted the passing game and yep. go through some of the old moments that changed things, um, which that reminded me of. And I, I, it's very worth a watch. I mean, anything NFL Films does is worth a watch. But that in particular was one that stuck with me. It's a really good history of the game. It's interesting. All right. Yeah. Mine on this day, November 1st, 1924. Boston Bruins officially joined the NHL, becoming the first U.S.-based team to enter the league. I love it. I love yeah. it. The Montreal Maroons also joined, but they only lasted 14 years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm so happy you said that one because I, I really had three, and that was one of them. So I'm going to give you the other one. And, and it comes with a little trivia question. Ooh. November 1st, 1916, mm-hmm. Broadway theater owner and producer Harry Frazee oh my God. and Hugh Word uh, Ward, I'm sorry, by the Boston Red Sox for approximately $700,000. Harry Frazee, of course, famously sold Babe Ruth to the New York Yankees. The question I have for you, the trivia question I have for you, is what Broadway show? Because what he did was sold Babe Ruth so that he could make a Broadway show. What Broadway show was it that he sold Babe Ruth to fund? Do you know? I know what it wasn't. <laughs> I know it's not no no and then that. I know the play that he funded inspired no no and then that. I do not remember the name of the actual play that. No, played. it was. It was no no and that. It was. No, it wasn't. Okay, it was. so there was somebody. I saw a whole post about this the other day where somebody dug into it and discovered like this whole long history about the play that it was. That was like maybe I do have it wrong. But whatever it was, the play that inspired No No Nanette in the history it has, because there were no, no living, like there's no descriptions of the play except for like short summaries, and there's no video recording of it. So the, I saw some guy online who was looking to find like a script of the one that, um, the the play that inspired it and led to its creation. But I'm pretty sure it wasn't No No Nanette. Oh, wait a second. You're right. You're right. It was. My lady friends. That's what it is. Yep. How about that? There you go. 
which was like the same guy as no known Nanette, or I don't know the exact story there, but um, yeah, which yeah. is interesting. Um, yeah, so there you go, my lady friends, and not known Nanette, which is yeah, my goodness. I mean, what an absolute disaster! It's even worse because my no one's even heard of my lady friends. At yeah. least known Nanette is like famous. What a, what a nightmare! What a disaster! I can't so, imagine Boston talk radio back in the day when that happened. Man, I just think, yeah, it's just, yeah, brutal. Just absolutely brutal. What would um, some of the talking heads uh, today say about that then? Oh, I can't even imagine. I can't even. I don't even want to think about it. I, <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. You know, imagine, imagine just selling your best player. For money, just giving your best player away for money, this is the and then using that money cash for yourself than to build the team. It's crazy. That's <laughs> absolutely insane. insane. But that's the way it was back then. I mean, it's just you know. Yeah. So, um, but what are you gonna do? So, anyways, that's what we got for you today. Uh, pretty good show. I like that. And, I, um, and I, Gary had a question in the chat too. If you win the draw and you come from a country that's abroad, how would you claim the prize? I think we still we got to talk about this, Pat, specifically, but the prize might end up just being like a gift card to the pro shop or we'll get you something from the pro shop and have it yeah. shipped to you or something. Well, like and so that's kind of the idea is that I was going to do a 20, like a probably a $25 gift card or something like that to the pro shop or something around there. What I'll do for you, Gary, is if if you do win or if someone overseas wins – and it's difficult to order. I don't know how it is ordering from the NFL shop online. I have no idea. Um, but if it's difficult ordering from the NFL shop online, I will just buy you something that you want of that value and just mail it to you myself. I don't care. Yeah. It doesn't or I'm matter. sure we could. So, I'm sure Fanatics has some international site that we. Well, can that's use. what I mean. Like I'm sure they have a, an international. I just don't know how it works. Right. The, yeah. So the the way it works is that the pro shop online, when you buy something from the pro shop online, you're not buying from the pro shop. You're buying from Fanatics. They don't. Yeah. The pro shop doesn't have an online thing. So you're buying directly from Fanatics, but you can use your Patriots. I'm pretty sure you can use your pro shop. I don't know. I'm not sure. We'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I think I think the easiest thing to do. I still think the easiest thing to do might just be to buy something from the pro shop and kind of go and say, hey, cool. whatever. We'll we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but we're gonna get we're gonna get you guys something from there. So um, approximately twenty five dollars in value that is Patriots related. That will be yeah <laughs> exactly exactly. And Gary, yeah. you know, love watching the podcast. So appreciate you. Thank you love for you coming guys. out. We appreciate you guys coming through. Um, we'll be so here new- twice a week the rest of the way. Yeah, and some new into people as the well. offseason. At, at some point here during the season, we're probably going to be start to starting to flip the clock and look at just straight up draft stuff. So, well, that's the thing is I usually don't get into my draft stuff until like January, and it's going to start a lot earlier this year, man. It's going to start yeah. a lot earlier this year, especially if they keep playing this way. You never know. Maybe they'll turn it around. Maybe they'll maybe they'll win on Sunday and they win the next week, and it, you know, in, in Germany, and all of a sudden they'll be four and six, maybe, and maybe and moving. Maybe Juju finally finds it now that he's in a different role. That is, you know, that is one thing I'm interested to see here is that they were using him as the slot guy before, and I wonder if Demario Douglas being a slot guy and Juju playing the role that Bourne did maybe unlock something different. We know he doesn't have maybe. the quickness anymore, and maybe yeah. being a bigger body in a slightly different spot lets him do some stuff. I don't know. He I think he kind of has to be on the roster next year unless you're eating money. So. You can I mean, find a way be. to get something out of him as a, even a depth guy that helps you for building the team. Right. Can't be worse than it's been. So, you, you know. Don't say that. <laughs> it can't be. With him, there's no way. It can't be worse than it's been. I mean, unless he pulls a John Smith and drops 
drops a pass directly into into the defender's arms for a pick six. No, you know what I mean? What's worse than this it would be him playing well enough to convince us all he's actually good and he found his role in the offense. And then next year we think we have something and he goes back to what he was. That's the I worst suppose case. That's ever. true. But I mean, this year it can't be worse than it's been. You're right. Long term, you are right about that. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's it, guys. Thanks for coming out. We appreciate you. And, uh, and we will talk to you on Sunday. After the game, I will be, be later. I'm taking my daughter to her first regular season game. She's very excited about it. My brother-in-law is a Commanders fan. So him and my sister are going. Sister's Diane Patriots fan, obviously. Um, and so, so it'll be fun. It'll be fun. The, the four of us are going together, and, and I'm really excited about it. So um, so we're pumped. We're, we're pumped. It'll be fun, and, and we'll do a show uh, probably set uh, – you know, Halftime of the Sunday half time of Sunday Night Football um, yeah. is typically what we do uh, after home games. So – We will see you guys uh, Sunday night. All right. And uh, thanks for coming out. And we'll talk to you soon. Have a good rest of your weeks.